I couldn't be religious and gay. It was impossible. I was being marketed as some sort of like teenage it girl. When a girl kissed me on my 18th birthday, a whole other world opened up to me. I was a minor nuisance. Eight Australians will tell you about the choices that have led them to unexpected places. These are some of the stories you will hear on Let Me Tell You, a podcast where real people tell incredible real stories. Look for Let Me Tell You and follow wherever you get your podcasts. You don't deserve to make amends to anyone. The only thing that you deserve is a life full of suffering and shame. You don't own me, I'm not your property. So take a shifty little bitty eye of me. You good? Yeah, good. Welcome to Eyes on Gilead, our weekly podcast dedicated to The Handmaid's Tale. There is a lot going on in this show, and we think it helps to talk it out after every episode. I'm Fiona Williams, and I manage our online coverage of movies and TV here at SBS, and I'm joined by my colleagues and fellow resistors, Natalie Hambly, Managing Editor of SBS Voices. Hello. Haiti Island, Channel Manager of SBS On Demand. Hi. And Sana Kadar, who, as well as being host of All in the Mind for ABC Radio National, is our proud Canadian on the show. <laughs> Hello, Hello, I am. Sana. <laughs> This was amazing to see her, yeah, in Canada. How long have we waited for this? So, yes, feeling very proud to be Canadian. <laughs> Excellent. So, we have just watched episode seven of season four of The Handmaid's Tale, and it is called Home. It's written by Yalin Chang and directed by Richard Shepard. June struggles with her newfound freedom. I've been living in Gilead and all I want is culture shock. Reuniting with loved ones. You made it. Brace up and be you made it. And confronting her nemesis, Serena. Do you understand me? And a lot more besides, but yes, we'll keep it at that. Oof. All right. Well, we've recovered from our emotional meltdowns. <laughs> Have what? we? Have I don't know. Yeah. A different kind of emotional meltdown this, yeah. this episode. Yeah, this episode got me even more than the last Ooh. one. I, I was so much more upset watching this one than I was watching episode seven. And I don't know about the rest of you, yeah, but wow. it was coming at me from all different angles. You know, I was heartbroken about Luke so many times. Yeah. And then it was just bone chilling at other moments. And yeah, I was crying multiple times. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't, yeah, no, I wasn't sobbing the whole way through as with the last one. But yeah, a few tears here and there for me. Well, we did have a moment this week where I knew it was going to be a big one for you, Haiti, because you entered the group chat. You were like, I've seen the episode and I have a lot to say. And I'm just like, oh my God. Unprecedented. I always have a lot to say when Serena's on the screen. I'm, yeah. You know. right. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to get to that. Um, let's do our quick standout moments, big or small. What do we got? Sana, let's start with you. Okay, I think I'm going to go to um, June saying, do you understand me? Yelling that line back to Serena all those years after Serena said that to her. That was ooh, a full circle moment, wasn't it? Yeah. So much anger, so much so much bound up in that. I yeah. think that'll have to be my standout this episode. It's a good one. Uh, Heidi, how about you? I also chose a full circle moment, but mine was June's monologue at the end of the episode, which was ostensibly about Serena, but the slow revelation that it was perhaps about someone else, oh, that just destroyed me. And, you know, we can we can get into that a little bit more later. <laughs> nice sizzle. Uh, Nat, what about you? 
heaps of highlights, mm. actually, a lot to choose from. So I'm going to choose something which I think is probably going to stay with me in a nice way, which is Moira's emotional growth. Look, yeah. look at her going after love. Like, I was actually really Aww. proud of her. <laughs> uh, honey Dripper, like, she, she knows what to say. That yeah. was such the most romantic line that she, she said to Una to try and woo her back. It was amazing. Oh, so perfect. heartfelt. Yeah. Um, mine was also a good one. <laughs> um, the fact that June's reunion with Nicole, it was Emily who handed her back. Like it was that oh, yeah. for everyone who mm. was pissed off at the end of season two and the why would you hand her over, Emily got to hand her back. And, yeah, I had a, had a little uh, cry at that. thought it was beautiful. All right. <laughs> um, well, I exhaled then. It, like, the, the, it literally opens with June exhaling. You see her breath <laughs> in the air. So, yeah, I didn't mean that. But, yes, again, it literally opens at the end of the last episode and June says everything she needs to say to get entry into Canada, ably willed on by, by Luke and Moira. We see Tuello, Mr. Treason and Coconuts, um, <laughs> pops up with Rachel Apping, who we've, we've seen a little bit. So, yeah, they're a tag team representing America. And in song choices... What else are you going to play but at last? <laughs> yeah, very nice uh, as June makes this very strange journey back. <laughs> yeah, and journey, journey through the opulence of the Royal York Hotel in Toronto and, and you know, all the flowers and the alcohol on offer and all the food and, and the abundance, which there was abundance in Gilead, but it was always for the commanders, right? Like I remember yep. that... Um, mm. Gathering, I think, at Lawrence's house one, in one of the previous seasons where the, the dining table was overflowing with food, but none of it for the handmaids. And so now to see all of this for her is jarring mm-hmm. and something she's clearly still wrapping her head around. Yeah, I was I was getting just haunting flashbacks to some of those Jezebel scenes totally. as they were yeah. walking through this plush hotel for the, you know, high-profile <laughs> asylum seekers. <laughs> there were, like, that shot of the of the plate of fruit and cheeses. It was like a renaissance still life, you know. Everything was so lush. And- yeah. yeah. I was getting Jezebel flashbacks with that as well, yeah. and I thought, is it just me? So I'm so glad that no. you have said that. And I thought, am I ever going to look at a hotel the same way again? <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, the show has ruined me. Yeah, well, I'm in quarantine as well. Like, it's like hotels. Yeah. Hotels are not having a good time. But she was also, this was basically her being shuttled into a quarantine yeah. for a couple of days, right? They were like, we're going to keep you here for a couple of days to debrief and all the rest. And I was like, is this a nod to COVID? <laughs> yeah, I thought so too. But I think there, there is also this, they're playing with the switching of power, you know, Jezebel's are the halls of power of of the commanders in Gilead and now she's in sort of this place of power in Canada now. Yeah. Also, the colours are just firing off in these Mm. scenes as well. I mean, it's just like, there's the maroon, there's the blue. The robes, I mean, come on. That made me jump when she came out of the bathroom wearing that robe because I was like, you know, that was a total flashback to in the before time, or not even the before times in Gilead, where, you know, she was ritually bathed before the ceremony, Mm. right? We would see her in the bath and then emerge in her red handmaid's robes and then go off and have that horrible experience. So to see her to come out of the bathroom wearing that red robe was Mm. like, whoa, this is is too close to what we've been through. What is happening? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I thought, where's a white waffle? (laughs) (laughs) When does a hotel have a red robe? They're always white. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but the, the... you know, and everyone, Luke and Moira, they're on their best behaviour. They're so excited and yeah. trying to talk up the fancy water. And it's like, yeah, that's not <laughs> really what's on her mind act. at the moment. But, um, but yeah, also they give, Luke's giving her space. and um, yeah, Luke is doing everything right oh, yeah. in this episode. Like the when he sits down on the bed and oh, the yeah. first thing he yeah. says is to apologise to her and say yeah. the exact same things to her 
that, that are going through her head around Hannah, you know, apologising for not getting her and not being able to do anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was beautiful, yeah, and so well acted as well. We are right in that scene with them, weren't we? And, um, you know, the fact that all that was on her mind last week was her fears and regret and guilt and, you know, that's all that's been on his too and he gets to say it but mm. she's not aware of it and just the way she looks at him in a lot of scenes in this episode, um, yeah. Yeah, that scene left They're me good. in awe of what actress can do, definitely. OT was incredible in that. I mean, last week I talked about how I was annoyed about this dynamic that was emerging where June is just pining for his approval and and apologizing endlessly and feeling guilt. And and actually what really annoyed me there was not so much her saying all that, but Luke saying nothing in response, like no yeah. counter narrative, right? And here we, we really needed to hear him say that and she needed to hear him say that. But what was interesting in that scene is she's still playing the protector role, right? Like she still goes in and lies about, she's telling the truth about that meeting with Hannah, but that's not her most recent meeting with Hannah, is it? Mm. And so she still can't shed that role where she needs to protect everyone around her, um, which, you know, is going to be her undoing. Well, that is actually so interesting, isn't it? How she she told him what he needed to hear with Hannah and nothing she said was wrong either. Like it, it is exactly what happened and it is what she said. It is what Hannah said to her and it is what June said back to Hannah. But she's doing him such a kindness. And Mm. I just think what she's gone through, can someone else handle that? You know, like there may be, there might be a real risk that Luke is amazing, but like once she goes through everything, you know, everything that's happened, like that actually might be too much for someone else to carry, you know? So I think she's got to figure that out. Yeah. And also, can she talk about it yet? Like she said it to Moira last Mm. week. So it is fresh, but also. Is she ready to tell him as well? Like it was a, like this was their time. They'll probably get to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, there was a funny moment at the end of that scene where she recounts her interaction with Hannah where we were shown these, these flashbacks of the most recent interaction and I kind of reacted going, oh, that's a little heavy-handed. They don't need to remind us about the last meeting with Hannah. It was only a few episodes ago. Like we're not stupid. We get the undercurrent that she hasn't told him about this. But then as the episode went on and we went to the supermarket with her and she has the panic attack and we see the flashbacks coming back in the same way, I realised this is the show kind of showing us the flashbacks that are affecting her. Where her mind's at. Yeah, 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 where her mind's at. So Mm. those flashbacks of Hannah aren't there for us. They're there to to illustrate her internal world. And I think you're right, Fiona, that she she isn't ready to talk about this necessarily. And that's Mm. why those those shots are shown to us but not spoken. Yeah. One thing I love in this episode, the flashbacks are of Gilead now. (laughs) Like, you know, that's the past. Yeah. You know, the immediate past. Yeah. That's not. That's not to say she won't be back there or who knows. But, yeah, you know, like we're used to the flashbacks being the happy times and now it, now that's flipped. Yeah. I love that um, Yaling Chang has written this one because it references her own episode, The Lakeside. She wrote that interaction with um, Hannah, so oh. it's nodding. There's so much mm. so much conversation oh. between the episodes in this wow. show that I love. It makes a whole lot of homework for us, but it's amazing and it just, it just adds, to, adds to the whole joy of watching this. And to accompany this episode, because Yaling Chang has written so many of the great episodes, we actually have an interview with her that's dropping simultaneously. So you can listen to us recap it, but then you can listen to the person who wrote the episode. So that is waiting for you in your feed at the moment as well as a special treat. I love that Luke also mentions in that scene, you know, that 
when she used to do really long sleeps, she'd wake up as if she'd achieved something. <laughs> sort of like she has. Yeah. yeah, she slept for 17 hours, but also she's achieved a lot over those seven and a half years as well. So um, I do like we see her sleeping and waking up a lot in this episode. Um, and then she's helping Tuello with the debrief, talking about the kidnappers and very specific detail being really helpful. And his concern is that he doesn't really want to let her go <laughs> because she might lose that and start to have compromised memories, which we'll get to the end of the episode because she kind of does. <laughs> I think yeah. he had a point. But uh, anyway, <laughs> um, but, you know, Luke Luke stands up and says, no, no, we can she did see her baby, basically. So want. then we get that amazing reunion with Nicole as, uh, as we discussed. Did you notice Luke didn't say she needs to see her baby? Yes. Yeah. She Correct. referred to Nicole as our baby. We can do brief later. At the embassy right now, I'm going to take my wife home. I'm going to go see our daughter. Which is so oh, sweet. Yeah. That? Yeah. Oh, that's we need so to go nice. home and see our baby. That was like, such a great <laughs> moment for him. He was like standing up for his yeah. wife, like, I'm taking my wife home. And I just thought, yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> you go, Luke. <laughs> you fight for her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good pick up there, Haiti. But it's all a bit weird, isn't it? So she's very much entering into Luke and Mora's house. And Mora yes. is very yes. much assume the mum role like you know we see at the mm-hmm. grocery store afterwards she's got to get the nappy <laughs> change and she's got to put her to bed like June is very much the sort of floating person that's entered the space and no one really knows where she fits quite yet mm-hmm. um, you know her attachment to Nicole is, is a slow burn right now obviously she loves her very much but she's she's yeah she's not stepped into the mumming role quite yet but it was it was yeah it was weird seeing her enter that space because none of them know properly how to fit her in either no and like they're thrilled to have her back but also and probably yeah. being hyper normal to like yeah. show her, you know, it's going to be great. But Moira's telling at the end of every interaction saying, you know, I love you to Luke, which yes. is great and wonderful <laughs> yeah. and life is short. It's not that kind of love, obviously. But yeah. Um, yeah, like it's, you know, they are a unit and June nods to that talking to um, baby Nicole in that beautiful scene where, you know, mm. Luke, Luke and Moira are raising you and um, mentions it, your first daddy. It was quite, no- oh my gosh, okay, sorry, yes. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. with it. <laughs> That was beautiful. Odd, in a way, like a little jarring, but also great. But I was going to say it was so nice to see Moira and Luke's relationship because in the previous episode we saw how much Moira didn't really like Luke. Yeah. Yeah. How she wasn't really on board with their relationship. Yeah. And so it was kind of like nice to see their relationship this time and see how far they've come and, you know, and, Mm. and see how much she actually does think of Luke, you know. Yeah. A lot. And so I just said, Haiti, he's amazing in this episode. <laughs> like he's actually meant to be. But yeah, I did appreciate that Nick got a little nod. On that your first daddy line, I think this episode is setting up the tension that's sort of going to continue for the rest of the season that, you know, potentially June is too far fucked up now for this relationship with Luke, for her to, you know, reconnect with Luke. Whereas Nick gets her in that they have been in this horrible world together and they forge their connection through that, right? So he understands the new fucked up June. Whereas Luke, <laughs> it's beyond him. He's been, because I think we get the clue that she's been in Gilead seven years yeah. in the grocery store. Like yeah. that is a long time and a lot has changed. And of course we would hope that they could reconnect and and be their you know support system for each other but is she too far gone mm. i really want her to come back to this and and my fear because i don't trust this show and yeah, i don't same. trust what they're That's doing a- to us and so when she was like when the three of them were in the kitchen and she was just sort of watching luke and moira do their morning routine and i thought oh she's a bit she's not really involved in this she's just watching it mm. and i thought 
I know you, June. You better not watch this and think they've got this. I'm now going to go do something else. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like you can't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she didn't quite get there in this episode, did she? So we're still we're still waiting for that further integration. Yeah. It's The Handmaid's Tale. Like it's not setting up a happy homemaker story from now on in. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and definitely the big question posed by this episode is, how fucked up is June? Yeah. And I think the answer is quite a bit. Quite mm-hmm. a bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did enjoy watching how naturally she she did re-engage with Nicole, even though she yeah. still is kind of standing back a bit and letting Moira and Luke take the lead in the kind of parenting department, that she did have that immediate bond again yeah. with Nicole because I was, I was worried that that would be a tricky relationship for her to rekindle as well. Mm. Yeah, no, that was a gorgeous scene. And from that, we immediately go to that scene with Serena praying oh aloud. <laughs> Thank you. For very performatively. Um, I think she's well aware that Tuello's at the door. All oh, right, okay. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of prickly interactions in this scene. I love it when she, she says, You're, You're punchy. punchy. Yeah. <laughs> so many people are. Um, his line again back at her is good. Does it satisfy you to hear someone from Gilead express misgivings? Does it satisfy you to express them? It was. I love that. That that was my laugh out loud moment. Yeah, yeah. Loved it. Burn. <laughs> Boom. Um, which is great, and that you know she lets on that she's well aware that June's back now. But um, this scene bothered me a bit because oh. Tuello. Mm. What is his story? Uh. <laughs> because <laughs> um, he he's the one that gets Fred and Serena sort of back together. He's the one sort of he's saying he leaves the legal stuff to the lawyers. And he could have just left it there. But mm. then he advocates for Fred and Serena rightly calls him a pot because he is. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he just sort of he gives does, her a nudge. He does push them back together, but in the interest of having Serena, you know, play Fred, not yeah. for them to be bonded together oh, as yeah. a unit. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to quite go like that yeah. now that Serena's realised June hates her, which what else did she think June was going to feel towards her? <laughs> yeah. So I definitely think, you know, his hope of her trying to play Fred by being with Fred is going to backfire on Twello. Yeah, exactly. Like, I just don't think he played the long game in having that conversation because it was, he's thinking about the strategy and what the benefit for the case and da 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 da. But yeah, mate, <laughs> you've been around these people. <laughs> I was really wondering about that too because he's, um, because he hasn't seen June before. He's heard about June, but he hasn't seen her. Mm. And we don't know we don't know the full sort of um, accounts that he's heard from everyone else that's come back from Gilead. But June is the one that's had the most contact with Serena. She's the one that's got the most dirt on her. I'm yeah. sure Rita had actually quite a lot as well. But <laughs> I think Tuello's had a lot of interaction with Serena and she really plays on that really sort of innocence vibe that she likes to give off, you know, and, and especially now that she's pregnant. And so I feel like he might have been getting, she's been trying to charm him or something and he has seen that side of her. And then here's June <laughs> just saying everything that like Serena has done. So I, I quite liked how it basically Tuello went from a meeting with June and then straight to a meeting with Serena where he had that really testy exchange Mm, and mm. so but I'm left as well going yeah does he like I'm assuming I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt which you don't want to give men in this show (laughs) that he has read a lot and seen a lot and heard a lot and that he knows exactly which strings he's pulling yeah but I wish I knew what they were yeah let me in yeah I'm not not implying like he's a double agent or anything like that it's more just you know yeah just zip it mate (laughs) just (laughs) 
I think he's a bit naive to Serena in a way, right? Like, I think he's inclined to see the women who have come from Gilead as victims, yeah. as they mostly are. But he he's naive to Serena's, you know, uh, her agency and in, in what happened in a way and, and what she's still capable of potentially doing. Yeah, the line at the start of the scene maybe suggests not. Like, he knows enough to know she's like that. But, yeah, but true. Maybe, he probably yeah. does give he a knows, He knows the strength in Serena's case is in her being separate to Fred yeah. and being a victim of Fred. So in trying to get her to reunite with Fred, I'm sure he sees that as a, a stronger case to condemn both of them together. Mm. If they're a pair, then her argument that she, you know, is a, a victim of Fred kind of falls apart. Yeah. So I yeah, can see true. I can see him acting with that as his Okay. Motive. I hope he's playing the long game. <laughs> so, yes, thank you for explaining that for me because I'm like, I don't really understand how this works. <laughs> I'm so confused. Um, and so... Immediately, as he says, it could help the both of us, she's off to see Fred in a shot. <laughs> Next scene, there she is. Hi, Fred. And I love this scene and how it pairs yeah. with the June one. Um, yeah, playing with all the shapes and the angles. And Serena's being punchy. <laughs> Isn't she? Back <laughs> off, Fred. And I love also that she called him a sperm donor, I think, in the scene beforehand with yeah, Joella. Yeah. How good yeah. is that? Yeah, and he's trotting out the biblical passages and the, the phony oh, God, religiosity. So and, oh, yeah. Shut up, Fred. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Can we get that on a does, T-shirt? <laughs> isn't that pretty much exactly what Serena says to yeah. him? Too? I think it's back <laughs> off, Fred. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's a great scene that then, of course, sets up the mirror of that with June about, what, 15 minutes later. Yeah, nice try, Fred, but um, she needs a jolt. Fiona, you, you mentioned just a minute ago that the angles in the background of this scene, and I really noticed that in this episode as well, and there's been stripes and crosses in the background of Fred and Serena's scenes in mm. Canada, you know, since they got there. And in this episode, I really noticed that coming to the forefront alongside the circle symbolism around June mm. and... I don't know if anyone else noticed this. No, but the circle <laughs> symbolisms. Tell yeah, me there's crosses and stripes and lines in the background of all the Serena and Fred scenes, particularly the Serena ones. And there's this circle symbolism that I've seen emerging around June. And obviously circles have been associated with the handmaids from, you know, yeah. day one. Um, <laughs> Time immemorial. And that has followed June through. And there's so many scenes in this episode where she's, you know, bowls and citrus and coffee cups and, you know, circular lights um, mm. arranged around her. And it's it's this like knots and crosses symbolism <laughs> coming out. And it's really, yeah, I there really noticed it in this episode. When she's just got to the hotel and Twilo's talking, we still got the song and you hear sort of the smaller um, dialogue that she's owned out from. She looks out the window and that's kind of a cross um, symbol. But then there's all the boxes of the windows of the building opposite. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, I thought maybe it's like she's compartmentalising everything and it's just kind of coming to, she's having to face it all. But um, yeah, it's very boxy stripey. The scene that cemented this symbolism as an intentional thing for me is when she summons Tuello to go and see Serena in yeah. the middle of the night yeah. and we get that crane shot mm. of his car pulling up in the driveway and on one side of it are, yeah. are the striped lines of the car park yeah. and on the other side are these sort of circular lines of like the gardens yeah. mm. and June sort of crossing them 
to get into this car to kind of make her way to see Serena. Yeah, yeah, that was a great shot. Mm. I was also noticing so much was shot through doorways and she's closing doors and people are coming in doors, like in, in a sense sort of illustrating how detached she is still from yeah. Luke and everything that's happening around her. Like she locks the door in the bathroom, yeah. right, when she goes in and it's only Luke out there. Um, but also she's had no privacy. for Well, exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but in that hotel room, she's also like surrounded by flowers everywhere. There's flowers yes. in the paintings, there's flowers on the on the pillow, on the couch, there's flowers actually on the tables everywhere. So that that's, yeah, something I noticed in the set design as well. Mm. So coming out of that Serena Fred scene, um, that's where June wakes up and um, Moira's going to leave she and Luke alone, but clearly June's not ready <laughs> for that yet. So she, let's go to the shops. She's been in Gilead. All I've wanted is culture shock. So, um, yeah. But also I was like, how would you think it's a good idea to take Nicole away from her? She wants to be around Nicole, you know, yes. keep Nicole around. What are you guys talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that shop scene, my God, she's really unraveling. Hey, like there's a lot of symptoms and signs of PTSD emerging. I ended up looking up the Beyond Blue sort of symptom checklist for PTSD right. and she's, you know, she's exhibiting a lot of them. It's too, probably too early to, you know, say she has PTSD, but you know, the intrusive flashbacks, she's also on alert and on edge a lot. Like there's that one point that Luke comes over to her and she kind of jumps a little bit. Mm-hmm. She's having trouble sleeping. You know, she's feeling a lot of anger. There's a lot going on for poor June. Yeah, and she thinks she sees Alma um, mm. and has the panic attack by the dairy fridge. <laughs> yes. By the milk. Oh, you didn't notice yes. that. Yeah. Oh, the whole layout of the supermarket yeah. is is very similar to loaves and fishes. Even when they walk in and there's all that kind of fruit stacked up, I, I was getting loaves and fishes flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, the emptiness of loaves and fishes yeah. versus mm-hmm. the abundance mm-hmm. of longos, which, by the way, is a real chain that I have shopped at in Canada. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is this is this feels like home. <laughs> I, yeah. I think if I um if I had my own little bingo card of all the things that I wanted to see when June comes back. To Canada and I was like going to the supermarket was actually one of them it <laughs> yeah, was yeah. so great because it was it was such a huge part of the handmaid's lives you know that was like their one outing of the day so as soon as they were going to the supermarket I was like yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but also isn't this like god this is so funny through the pandemic and the lockdown, for how many of us was the grocery shop the one outing we had a day and the one like sort of bit of social yeah. connection? And that's how it was for the Handmaids in Gilead and that's how it sort of is for June right now. <laughs> yeah. It's touching on a lot of that. And also, back when I used to travel places, like internationally, I love going to yeah. the supermarket, you know, seeing all the different, yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> everything that's on display. Seeing so. how chips have just transformed in how seven years. How chips transformed? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean, June? Explain more. How have chips changed in seven years? A lot healthier I'm pretty sure you can buy beetroot chips seven uh, years yeah, ago yeah, right. why they're too. yeah and I was thinking milk's changed like <laughs> you got your oat and your almond yeah. And, yeah. like also in there she you know she notices women and girls and living free lives being mothers and daughters and couples and yeah, yeah it all comes crashing down especially with the weird water logo yeah, well, yeah. is that actually like a Gilead imported water is that one of their like trade things that they do oh. or was that just a coincidence that the logo happened to match some yeah, of yeah don't know but yeah not a real brand otherwise their um, product placement. <laughs> yeah, we're in Handmaid. Oh, shit, we're in Handmaid. Um, but um, in that panic attack, we see that is the greatest hits of all of the abuse of yeah. these years. Love the editing and the yeah. sound design of that mm. scene. Um, yeah. Oof. It was all in there. 
a great little reminder too for us as the audience of things like that scene with Serena mm-hmm. screaming at yep. June mm. from a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, that was back in season one, wasn't it? I it think so, yeah. When she thought she was pregnant and then wasn't. God, I felt I felt that all again, right? Like yeah. you felt that tension, mm. you felt that fear. They were really effective flashbacks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They do a good flashback in this show. <laughs> <laughs> they know how to do flashbacks. Uh, <laughs> and then the dinner, the reunion. Rita, the Rita moment. Rita. Yeah, all the girls... Did like Luke have a line about how Rita's got to bake? Something? Yes, muffins. <laughs> Rita's making muffins and Emily's baking. Everyone's baking. That was nice. That's right. Yeah, yeah Emily's <laughs> making the banana bread, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was great. Um, yeah, but the, the, then they get to catch up over drinks and just decompress. How great was this scene? Yes. Yeah. Very great. It was just so great to see, uh, you know, the support network mm. that June has coming into Canada now that Moira and Luke didn't have and Emily didn't have and, and now that support group is there for her. And I love that Moira said, none of that Aunt Lydia shit here. You know, like, Fiona, <laughs> I think you called that out last week and I was like, why is she feeling like she's responsible for everything? You're like, that's Aunt Lydia. Mm. And that's exactly Aunt Lydia. And Moira calls that out. And I thought that was that was great. No Aunt Lydia here. Yeah. And... In the dialogue, you know, like Luke is very, I'm sorry, it's my fault. Like mm-hmm. th- that language is repeated so often across this, like the, it just finds ways in. Yeah. But um, yeah, Moira's like, nah, <laughs> not having it. And interesting sort of hearing Emily talk about yes. her relationship and how she's going in terms of, you know, not having moved into the bedroom yet. Because I, I wonder how everyone's coping in, in every aspect of their life, you know, having yeah. to readjust to life in Canada. So that was that was interesting to hear how she's going. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Emily has, of course, had got, yeah. you know, physical scars from, from, you know, far more intensive surgeries there. And, of course, Moira makes that comment about how Gilead has made them all fucked up about sex, yeah. which we then see oh, yeah. oh, happen God. with yeah. June later in the episode. Mm. But the moment that really got me in this sort of dinner scene is when they start talking about Serena's pregnancy and the fact oh, yeah. that yeah. it is Fred's and we just focus right in on June and her what? reaction there, which the others, you know, they kind of maybe get a hint of what's going on, but you can not tell to that, the that, degree. that they're not really getting how this is hitting June. And, and I think, you know, what is going through her head is that, you know, how close did she come to oh. being um, pregnant to Fred if he all along, he's not infertile. Like I was reading that as as June just reeling with, you know, how close she came. Well, that that too, but I thought it was more, then what was the point of all of it if they could have kids anyway? Mm. <laughs> like, that was how, I, like, it was like a bigger, what was the fucking point? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I went through all of that and they could have children as well. But that too, yeah, yeah. I think it was all just in there. For me, it was just like, you built this world because you couldn't have children. <laughs> I read that actually more as um, just unbridled anger in that because she's talked about, you know, she wants to make them hurt as she hurt. Yeah. And Ser- she's particularly focused on Serena and getting back at Serena, right? And so what I read it, what was going through her mind in that moment was that June was thinking, you are going to have a baby and you're going to keep your baby here mm. in Canada when mm. I lost my baby and yeah. my baby's still in Gilead? What the fuck? Mm. Like, I, I just saw the, you know, wheels of anger and revenge sort of turning in her head there, which we kind of see play out when she goes to see Serena, right? And that's yeah. what I kind of read from that. But the interesting thing in that scene as well is she calls Fred the commander. Yeah, yes. nice. you know? yeah. And she does, yes. she calls Serena Serena. And and this whole sort of laser focus on Serena and revenge at Serena is interesting because she's not even talking about Fred and she doesn't go to see Fred and yell at Fred. And I wonder if this is another layer of how the show in Gilead, you know, 
we blame women more than the men. We absolve men of responsibility. And is June now playing into this in targeting her anger and revenge at Serena? It's funny because it reminds me of um, one of the previous seasons. And it was it was after Nicole gets given to Emily. I think it is. Correct me if I'm wrong. But there was a showdown in the Waterford living room. And there's there is Fred... There's Nick, there's Serena, there is June. Mm-hmm. And Fred's trying to get angry. He's trying to, like, insert himself. And and I remember at the time that, like, June just went straight up to Serena and talked to her. And yep. Fred was just like, mm. no one. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, you know, Serena was a person who she was who she was talking to, who they were, like, communicating about, like, Nicole. And Fred just didn't matter. Like, he was yeah. just a nobody. Yeah. But in terms of it is, but it was weird that she called him the commander. Yeah. And I'm also finding, I'm also hating that he keeps calling her Offred. Oh my yeah, god! No, yes, just, yes. Yeah. Oh, gross. I mean, because she's of Joseph, if she's if she's anyone. Yeah, yeah. But and I, yeah, and I did think about like, why is she not considering Fred in this equation? And partly it's because Fred is so pathetic, and who cares, right? But I think also it's you know a greater betrayal when it's from a woman doing what she did to another woman, like you know the mm. sisterhood kind of thing. But then again, I'm also, I'm like, hang on, that's still absolving the men of their responsibility. Mm. So there's all these sort of thoughts I was like floating through in my head watching that play out. So many layers in that. Yeah. Well, I mean, because they also, you know, had some shaky, but alliances, they had their moments. Mm. You know, there was that whole episode where they were getting shit done when Fred Mm. was out of action. Um, You know, they had moments where Serena was so close to being on her side. And, you know, Serena handed over Nicole as well. Mm. Yeah. So they've always had this quasi alliance, but you know, underpinned by this completely out of whack power imbalance. I do think it is unfair the way June is channeling all of her hatred of Gilead and her experience there into Serena. Because as much as Serena has done horrible things and been, you know, that close to June throughout her experience in Gilead, she isn't responsible for everything and and shouldn't be. I mean, she was, you know, an intellectual powerhouse behind the idea of Gilead, yeah, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. she was one of the crucial people who sort of got Gilead into being, you know, like she had written books about it. And I think this is one thing that I really wanted to see was that um, there was a background shot when June was talking to Twello and you could yes. see that he had mm. his boards up and it had mm. pictures yeah. of Serena. I screen capped that straight oh, away. <laughs> Fred is on that whiteboard. Nick is on that whiteboard. Yeah. 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 You know, Lawrence has had just as much to do with it as Serena. So, yeah. You yeah. Know. I, I pressed pause and I was trying to read it, but it was a little bit blurry. But I did see that they had Serena's book there yes. as well. Yep. So, like, so I think that, like, um, June has a whole lot of personal reasons to be channeling this anger towards Serena. But also, you know, Serena isn't just a commander's wife. She also was someone who was hugely, like, integral in the making of Gilead. Mm. So I'm kind of like, yeah, she deserves it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it is all in there. That's funny. We all have th- different takes on um, what, what do you think that reaction is with June at the drinks? I thought they all were aware that Serena was going to be a trigger point for her mm. and that didn't really want to talk <laughs> yeah. about it, you know, because who knows what would happen. They didn't want to trigger anything. And it is. It's kind of, and, and I was so tense in that scene. I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, my God, don't talk about Serena. Yeah. <laughs> like, she can't handle this. Yeah. Uh, especially, like, how on earth? Like, it's, it's one thing to have, like, if, you, if we think of Serena as her abuser and she has finally escaped her abuser and now she's sort of like, she asked the question, so have we heard anything about Serena? And then there are so many 
like loyalties, you know, like the fact that Rita <laughs> had actually seen her and why, you know, yeah, yeah. and and why did you see her and what did she want? And I'm like, oh, this is yeah. awkward. <laughs> the way she looks in, like that's the big eyes and uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> like I'm like, don't trust June. <laughs> She's getting that look about her. Yes. Um, but I do love that they break the tension by saying how bad Serena looked. And like, yes. <laughs> she looked like shit. <laughs> that was a very friends having a drink kind of yeah. a moment. Yeah. Like, but true. oh my god, she has looked like shit this I whole mean, season. Yeah. Like her yeah. hair is deliberately greasy in every yeah. scene we've seen her yeah, in. Yeah. She gets a little quaffed in this one, though. She's had a little blow wave when she um, goes to reunite with Fred, shall we say. Yeah. Did you notice they made a point about Serena's bun? No. Yeah, how it was mm-hmm. like a, a rat's nest or something like that, which came back at the end when June had her hair in a tight bun mm-hmm. during that whole last scene. And there was yeah. definitely a connection being drawn there. Because I was like, Serena hasn't worn her hair in a bun the whole time. As soon as she got out of Gilead, she yeah. just let that go. Her hair mm-hmm. is her hair is out. And on know? the opposite, like actually, June had her hair in a bun throughout this episode, and I was noticing mm-hmm. that, and I was like, that's yeah. weird because I feel like whenever we saw her shed her handmaidness, you know, at various points in previous seasons, we would see her with her hair out, right? Like when she was on the run or when she was um, not not this season, previous seasons. I'm talking about. Yeah. I have seen her with her hair out. Yeah. And that sort of signifies she is out of the strictures of the handmaid's garb. But here she's very, like, her hair is in a neat bun the whole way through. And I'm like, let your hair down, girl. You're free. <laughs> well, this whole episode is playing with this role reversal of yeah. Serena and, and June. You know, June is becoming Serena throughout this yeah. episode. Yeah. And it's it's solidified in that final yeah. monologue. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. We'll culminate on that monologue. It's amazing. One good thing, though, off the dinner... Moira spots Una. She's leaving a present for June. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> Sorry, I nearly killed you. Sorry, I um, nearly killed you. What do you buy for that? I I like to buy. Buy. <laughs> oh, Is there a pre-made card? <laughs> I think we all thought Una would be out of the show yeah. after last episode. Yeah. So it's actually nice to see her. It is good. Back, yeah. And I feel like I've maybe too heavily judged her actions yeah. in last episode <laughs> but, now. But even, even we were saying, like, you know, she... We understand her points. Yeah. It's just we side with Moira. Yeah. <laughs> and it's good to get an update on Sarah, you know, like the fact yeah. that they brought in an intelligence asset means they are not totally screwed forever, but uh, <laughs> they definitely can't go into Gilead anymore. Yeah. So that's good because, you know, Moira did risk her relationship mm-hmm. for June last episode. You know, it was... Um, and clearly relationships are a really big deal for them, you know, like getting yeah. intimacy back in their lives again is huge. And so the fa- so I was so happy for Moira that she had found love again. I was yeah. like, yes. And then the episode on the boat where the relationship broke down, I was like, we didn't really talk about it, but I was yeah. a little quietly devastated for her. I just thought, wow, the price of getting a friend back, you've really had to give up on love. Yeah. And so I was... Very happy. It was a great scene, yeah, Mm. because Moira hid it. You know, she shielded it last episode. There was that look and just the slight sunken face when um, Una walked straight through and ignored her. And June acknowledges here, like, you know, I fucked that up for you. But, um, yeah, great, great scene between Moira and Una. And when she brings up Odette, you know, the fact that she thought it was forever forever until it wasn't, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was gorgeous. Yeah, see, it's... They're all in conversation. Back the, the, the We've only had a small flashback of Odette back in the day. And I guess that's kind of the gift of being in Canada now. I think one of the frustrations has been that because of being so in Gilead, 
these characters who we love. We love Luke. We love Moira, and we and we love Emily, and we haven't been able to see them yeah. because they've always been in Canada. So they're kind of like they are important characters to us, but we only have ever gotten glimpses. Mm. So I'm just so relieved that we're getting a lot of Moira now. You know, I still want more Emily, but we're getting like a lot of Moira, and I'm so glad it's sort of filling in some blanks that we've had. Yeah, and for Samira Wiley and Ochi Fagbana, they get more range. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Kind of, they can yeah. do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the light and shade of their characters, yeah, it's gorgeous. So, um, yeah, and that line, Moira, my God. I, I just feel like maybe you could be forever. Maybe. maybe. Put that one on a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Put that on a card. Valentine's Day card. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite a lot of therapy. That is. That's what that level of emotional growth and bravery. Mm-hmm. She's she's had a lot of she's had a lot of talk therapy. I think. <laughs> well, I think must have been last season, Natalie. You, I remember you said Moira always knows what to say. Like it was when Luke was having trouble connecting with Nicole. Moira worked him through that and like knew what to say and knew how to get him there. But yeah, I just remembered that line you said back then because she does even when she's trying to woo back her lady love. Mm. Yeah. So we've gone from that nice moment and let's just go on to the uh, clashes across this one. We should know this, shouldn't we? Handmaids gives us something nice, (laughs) then they take something else away. (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, we love these stashes as well. So, uh, okay, June brushes off some intimacy with Luke, that awkward moment, Mm -hmm. and then can't sleep, get Mr. Coconuts and Treason on the phone to take me to Serena. And he's available anytime, by I the way. Yeah, I was he like, does he sleep? Does he, does he just st- sit and stand by all the time? To- he's yeah. ready. He's ready yeah. to go. Yeah, he is on call. Do you want to do this one, Haiti? Oh, gosh. Where to start? Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed the way Serena kind of did that little pregnant saunter. Yeah. When- <laughs> A pregnant saunter. Jean came into the room. That's how I'm going to describe it. Definitely was. I didn't really know where this scene was going to go and I think I actually had to to re-watch this whole second part of this episode immediately after finishing the episode because it was such a a revelation for me in a way. Watching this scene play out and the role reversal of June and Serena and what at face value looks like Serena making one last, you know, manipulative <laughs> play at winning June's favour and, you know, failing abysmally. I'm going to be a little controversial. Ooh, <laughs> please bring it. <laughs> and say that I think there is a way to read this episode where everything Serena is doing is manipulative and pathological and fake and selfish um, and I think it is truly selfish, but that scene earlier in the episode where Serena's in the chapel and mm. she's she's praying and she's talking out loud and Fiona, you read that as as completely performative. I read that as the opposite. Mm. You know, we don't we don't get to get inside Serena's head in this show. We don't get her in a monologue as we do June's. And so these little moments when she's not being observed or she doesn't think she's being observed are our opportunity to to basically hear her in a monologue. And I mm. think that moment where she is praying and asking for forgiveness and acknowledging to herself and to, you know, to her God that she has done wrong and she is seeking forgiveness. She does have regret. She's done horrible things, but there is this layer of this woman who somehow realizes that and is seeking some kind of forgiveness And however manipulative she's trying to be in that scene with June to win her favour, to ultimately win her freedom in Canada and get, you know, access to Nicole, um, 
there is a layer of regret that I think is authentic there. Mm-hmm. That's and uh, and that is playing out in that scene. Can I, yeah, like, can, I, can I jump in here? <laughs> Who wants to go Take first? A number. <laughs> can I, can I, on the chapel thing, I think I know Twyla comes in midway through. I think she's performing it's performative for an audience of herself. Like I think she is a holier than thou kind of a person mm. and I think it's there might be a pang. Like I don't think anyone in the show, I've said it before, no one's purely good, yeah. no one's purely evil. It's everyone's light and shade. They're people. It's they they write characters so well in this. So it's not that she's just bad to the bone. It's yeah, sure, she feels bad, but also she feels bad because she got caught. Well, and, yes, that, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I was going to say. I think she's sorry, yes, and regretful, yes, because she's been caught and now she's trapped and now she's a prisoner. You know, if, if none of this had happened, I think she'd be carrying on feeling pretty <laughs> self-righteous and mighty in Gilead. Whereas I wonder, because um, I had the same feeling as you in that scene where I, in the chapel scene, I did think that we were so, sort of seeing a private moment of hers, but it's so shallow because she mm. is shallow and so... I think that she is aware that she's done bad or wrong things. I think she's aware that she has things that she needs to ask forgiveness for, but it's a bit like the iceberg. You know, like she's, she can just, she can, she's only letting herself see the surface. Mm. And there is a whole enormous iceberg underneath there that she just can't bring herself to look at. I think she's afraid. I think she knows on some level that if, if she looks at that, then it's going to completely destroy her sense of self. So instead, I think she knows that she should be sorry for something, but she's going nowhere near to the level of what she should be feeling. Mm. There has been some kind of moral shift in her since arriving in Canada. Like when, This is the woman who wrote a book about a woman's place being in the home and as a wife, you know, procreating. And we get reminded of that book on the, on the whiteboard yeah. layout. Yet in Canada, up until this point, she is now a woman willing to separate from her husband mm. and go out on her own as, you know, a, a, a single woman. That's that's. I don't, think, I don't think she's changed. I think she's the same. Yeah, I agree. Because <laughs> women who write those kinds of books, I mean, yeah. they want that for the majority of women, not them. Like Serena, yes. did she, mm. Serena really struggled in that role being, you know, mute and not having her voice, right? Like she wanted to preach to what other women should be doing, but she wanted to be the intellectual powerhouse behind mm-hmm. this movement. Mm. She really assumed it was going to be different for her. She, yes. Yeah, yeah. She, by taking that stance in public, it gave her a public profile. It yeah. gave her a level of importance. It fed her self-esteem. It fed her narcissism. And then she just blindly thought that that would continue once Gilead started. And then she feels betrayed by Fred because Fred basically kicked it to the curb, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I don't think that she's changed. And it's funny, I, I also kind of think that, I do kind of think that she is sort of pure evil in a way. <laughs> and I think um, and the, the way that they show why she's different is because she doesn't look evil because she looks yeah. like the sort of character that is meant to be pretty and perfect and beautiful. Mm, and, yeah. like, when she was previously in Canada, a little girl said, are you a princess, yeah. you know, because she looks like a princess, you know. So we're used to, like, forgiving women who look like her or sound like her and she and she's ticking all the boxes of, like, perfect woman, you know. So it's actually really hard to look at her and just see evil, but the evil is there. And yeah. It's actually just really hard. It's really hard to ascribe it to her, and that's the, that's the challenge that we have. And this is why I think um, Tuella might be sometimes naive to you know her her full range of capability. Mm. Yeah, as I said earlier, the show is boring if she is a pure villain. It is interesting yeah. when she's got shades that bring her back from that, and it is even more interesting when the show puts June in that role, which it mm. does yeah. in this episode. Yeah. 
I'm not bored if she's fully evil, but I get your point. <laughs> no one is purely evil and no one is purely good. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. um. But I love that this scene. It's it's the mirror of with Fred. Um, you know, she puts on the performative biblical references just as Fred was doing with her. Yeah. And remember, she said to him, "It's not your place to guess at the intentions yeah. of God." But June calls her on that and says, when she says, I believe the Lord brought you here so that I could make amends. Oh, yes, shut yeah, up, that's, that's Serena. Why. Yeah, way to see it all through the lens of like, you know, this is all serving you and <laughs> what you need to feel better. Yeah, it's, a, it's the greatest hits of Serena back at her. So June, <laughs> my God, she lets her have it. And I was thinking of the um, episode four where Moira tells Rita that Serena wants to see you. And remember Moira, she called it again. Um, she said, being able to say your piece to her face, a lot of girls would kill for that kind of yeah. closure. So mm. it was like, you know, yeah. Moira again um, called that one. But, yeah, Whew, what a speech. Oh, my goodness. What? I was going to say, it actually was probably amazing. And I say that as someone who thinks that, like, um, justice never looks like how you want it to look like. Mm. And considering all the crimes that have happened to June, being able to verbally say something to her face, just, just – Pounds in comparison, you know, like it's just not the same. Like, um, so I kind of would have fully expected that to be quite dissatisfying, but actually it was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. That was really gratifying, I think. It was very watch. cathartic. So like the moment when um, Twella shuts the door and says, I'll leave you two alone. And what I'm curious to find out is who were you actually worried for? Yeah. <laughs> was like, I'll just let this lion in and shut the door. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, Serena. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, gosh, June, you know, June thinks the baby's going to die in her womb. Like that was. Gosh, that, that was, that was a line, wasn't yeah. it? Oh it was my cold. God. So that when he kills. That baby inside your womb, you will feel a fraction of the pain that you caused us when you tore our children from our arms. Do you understand me? Ooh. It was so horrible. Yeah. She was being so horrible. It was everything else scary. I was on board with, except for that line. Like I was like, "Yeah, you tell her. Do you understand me?" For I everything came else, came right from where it, where she felt it, like yeah. it, you know, unfiltered. Yeah. You get yeah, to no, say totally. it, you say it. <laughs> I don't know. Like that was what makes me just the the rage. I think it's all it's a combination of all the things we yeah. thought of knowing that Serena can have a child after all is. But if June is to up. make. Serena hurt as she has hurt. It means Serena's child needs to be taken from her, whether that's in death or whether that's, you know, removal, right? Like that is... Because well, Serena should be in prison. Well, you yeah, know, yeah. Like... But that is the essence of the revenge June seems to want to mete out yeah. for her mm, yeah. child to leave her, mm -hmm. which is awful... Kind of understandable how why she's feeling that, but like awful, you know. It's so it's this is awful. It's awful. Yeah, yeah. But that's if she wants her I'm to like, hurt her. No, she baby deserves Serena as a mother, but. You yeah, know, I know. Mm. This is like the tension, right? This is this is her moral failing going forward. If yeah. if this is if she because is she any better than than the commanders and the wives? Then if she hopes Man, for the, the removal moral of high ground sucks. Yeah. I know. I'm not judging her at all for that. That was like <laughs> absolutely, and then some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's her first interaction ever since they're on equal territory now. Well, like, they're not like June's got the power now. So um, yeah, 
It actually felt like Aunt Lydia. Like that was the um, the conversation in episode in the torture episode, episode three, when Lydia and June were having that um, each having a go at blaming each other and getting getting inside each other's heads. Like this yeah. is all you. Yeah. This is like all your fault. Yeah. And that was like felt like June got to have that moment with Serena, <laughs> which was which is kind of like this is all you and this is this is all your fault. And I'm like, yeah, this is this is the woman that Gilead made. Yeah, mm. like if you had to time over, you may. <laughs> Self-edit, but just coming from the id, you know. It, you might, yeah, maybe. You know. Oh, that was such a harsh, harsh line. Yeah. <laughs> but also, yeah, it's Serena. <laughs> what I loved as well, like she was spitty, she, you know, she wiped um, yeah. the chin and then walked out and then just polite tap at the door. Mm. <laughs> like, it was, she wasn't whacking it. She was, it was just, it was very directed. It was just Serena mm. and Serena only. I'd like to go now, please. <laughs> so, okay, so this is now when... Oh, June and then she goes gets home. home. Yes. She's got a lot of rage and still. I was, I was, this is what gets me. I was so happy for her. I was actually, I love June. Like, I just thought, you know, she's she's got to Canada. She's not hiding away from Serena. She's not afraid to see her. She just, con- she just goes straight over there. She just, like, c- confronts her and says her piece. And how powerful and amazing is that? And then she's decided that she's heard Emily and she's heard Moira and she's decided that she is not going to let the Serenas win. Mm. And she is going to get her life back. She's going to get her sex life back. And I was like, "Yes, mm. like you go for it, you get it." Mm. And and then she covered like mouth with her hand. And I While was like, "Saying wait, I was like, yeah. What? Yeah. what's happening now? Oh, no, no, no! <laughs> this show is taking a, like another dark turn." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that scene was really hard to watch. Uh, that wasn't it. Visually, it was taking us right back to those scenes of the ceremony yeah. in previous the seasons. Right yeah. down to the the facial expressions on June's face and the angles of the camera, and you know, and with that came you know brought back for me all of the emotions that those previous scenes carried. It was really difficult to watch. It was like she was possessed, yeah, by uh, some Serena Fred hybrid, and and taking it out on Luke. Yeah, I feel devastated for Luke. I feel devastated for June. Like, 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 you know, we talked about earlier. She's so fucked up. Like, can she repair herself and her mind after this? Like, she is so messed up after what's happened to her. And is Luke going to bear the brunt of that? I mean, he does in this scene, right? I'm, I'm sort of seeing these shades of these, like, cycles of abuse. And she's, yeah. she has been yeah. abused and, and she is almost passing on that abuse as a way to process it. Basically, the writers are just like, you know, we wanted to feel one way about June, right? And they've mm-hmm. compromised how we are yes. able to feel about Yes, <laughs> they've really screwed contra- with us. <laughs> it's really controversial. Yeah. Like, because yeah. part of me was like, I just want to go back to episode six where I was just, yes, I cried all the way through it, but I was also really happy at the end. Yeah. And I think I wanted to live in that yeah. space for a lot longer. And this episode has sort of really yeah. ruined it because <laughs> I'm now, like, I can't be happy for June now. Yeah. You know, I was so happy that she was in Canada and also happy that she was reuniting with her friends and her family and she was getting to say her piece and she was reclaiming her life and then right in those last couple of minutes yeah. it all just fell apart mm-hmm. and I'm like oh I don't like I don't like where we are now yeah I- but I think I think it was quite realistic like how you know yeah yes they've compromised how we can feel about her but I felt like it was kind of true to life like someone so traumatized so mm-hmm. abused cycles abuse like this felt like this could potentially be how things, you know, happened if this was real life. So I didn't I didn't think they were, you know, going off in some wacky direction at all. But it's interesting because like at the beginning of this season, episode one, when June hands the knife to um, Esther, Esther, 
and yeah. gets her to kill that man. You know, that yeah. could be like the first sense of like June being compromised. You know, she's involved in the death or involved in, you know, getting a child to kill someone. But we were all happy to forgive that because like these people are horrible and, you know, that man raped her and all the rest. I didn't feel conflicted about my feelings about June and that. Now here where Luke is, Luke is, you know, totally innocent in this scene kind mm-hmm. of thing. I do feel different. Like, you know, I do feel compromised about mm-hmm. June that she is compromised. Yeah, it's a it's what, tricky a lot. one. It's super tricky. And I actually, I was reeling so much from that, that I kind of, like I missed the monologue, you know, like I was trying to process the monologue, but I was, but internally I was still going, what? <laughs> what? What's happening? You know, uh, sort of like screaming to myself inside my brain. So mm. I've got, I almost need, I don't know if anyone's got it written yeah. down, but I need, I need to hear some of that well, monologue yeah. again. Thought, what are they it, doing? It was really interesting because I, I watched it a couple of times and I don't know if anyone else did this, mm. but because um, I wanted to know very specifically, because they kept the camera on June for a lot of it, right? And I was like, I think where they're keeping the camera on June as she's saying these things about Serena tells us something about potentially where June is headed. So it's she starts the monologue by saying of Serena, she's, she's pathological, pathological, she's a sociopath, and the camera's still on June there. I don't necessarily think we're saying that June is going to turn out to be a sociopath, but as it goes on, it comes back, the camera comes back to June when she says that hatred Hate. and rage drives Serena. Yeah. And rage. And that, you know, I think we're seeing that hatred and rage is sort of deriving some of June's actions here. And then the camera again comes back to her when she says of Serena, she'll do anything to get what she wants. She'll do anything to get what she wants. She'll lie to you. Hurt you. Rape you. And and then she ends with, so if you feel yourself getting sucked in, run, run for your life. Yeah, And that felt like a message to Serena, run for your life from, from June because she is... Not just to Serena, I don't think. Well, yeah, <laughs> probably a broader message, but oh man, that was that was dead on June. Yeah, yeah. The whole the whole monologue could be read as being about Serena or June, and by the end of that scene, you know, they've absolutely made that point. And mm. I think there's a few moments in this episode that some of which we've we've spoken about. Um, you know the mirroring of Serena in that fit of rage, Mm -hmm. the scene with Luke in the bedroom. And I think the other one that was noticeable for me was when Tuello asks her about her motives for organizing the the angels fight at the start. Mm -hmm. And her response isn't what you think it would be. It's it's not these children deserve to be with their families. These children, you know, needed to get out. It is purely that she wanted them to hurt the way that she had hurt. It is it is mm-hmm. all about revenge and yeah. hatred as her driving motivation. And I think it's also notable that Serena is referred to as June's nemesis <laughs> in the synopsis yeah. for this episode because, you know, nemesis doesn't just, you know, mean like arch enemy or rival, but it also has connotations of a downfall. Like, you know, a nemesis is an agent of downfall. And um, we're getting some shades of what might be to come for June. A few. (laughs) It's all in here. One other thing that was interesting. So the camera is on June when she says she is driven by hatred and rage, which, yes, it's telling us that that's probably what's driving June as well. Um, But it goes back to Serena when June says, but below that she's empty. There's nothing else. And I think that's very much how Serena operates. It's not June. And that's why the camera sort of flips back to Um, Serena. 
Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. no good call there. Yeah. Love the show so much and I love June so much. Why have they because it's true to life. Oh, it's, you know. Now we're just stuck in this, like, so now I'm almost, like, fearful of what's going to happen in the next episode. What are we going to learn next? Mm. Where are they taking I mean, you? There's a lot to talk about here and we, why have they done this? Like, let's find out because we, we are going to speak to the writer of this episode who has worked and has addressed themes of survivors of trauma. So, you know, this is kind of her, her lane, her specialty, so it's going to be so mm. fascinating. So, yes, do stick around with, for that episode. It does seem clear that they do a lot of research yep. Yep. to write this show. So there's clearly a plan. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to find out. My hope is that, you know, June starts to channel her, her rage and her anger about Gilead and Serena and everyone in more productive <laughs> you know, avenues rather than meeting it out on Luke and reckless behaviour, but we'll see. Yeah. And, yeah, with with that end monologue and to to Ello, like he did call like it's not useful intel (laughs) by the end of it. She's just kind of name-checking all the terrible things that Serena is. Like you notice he's not really taking notes (laughs) in that scene. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but... um, Yeah, that that wall of images and notes. I, I did I did freeze frame it and take a screen grab, and I didn't pick up a lot. I couldn't quite get out the writing there, but you know, questions about Serena. How far will she go to get her daughter back? <laughs> They're in big um, ah. sharpie. Powerfully angry is one of the so expressions. My question about that is: Does Serena care about Nicole anymore now that she's yeah. now that she's pregnant? Does Very she, good question. Is she is she happy to let Nicole go? I think so. I think all she wanted was a baby. <laughs> I don't know how much time she had to, you know, actually establish a deep connection with Nicole. How yeah. attached did they ever get? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I don't think what well, she's, as June said, she's like a raging narcissist. Yeah. So can she actually love? So did she ever actually love Nicole or did she actually just want Nicole? You know, mm. and so now that she's pregnant, maybe she's like, does she care about Nicole anymore? Don't know. Mm. That she's retreated back to Fred might be a sign that she doesn't. Oh, by the way, Fred had a sick burn. Didn't yeah. He? yeah. Yes, it's like this This pregnancy belongs to me just as much as Offred's belong to you. Yeah. <laughs> Punchy. Punchy. <laughs> yes. um, so I guess we're in the lane of predictions here. Heidi, do you have um, have something that's on your mind? Actually, I don't really. I mean, like, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Well, for me... I just want to know what Lydia thinks of June getting out. I want to see her reaction um, of, of that. <laughs> Could Lydia come to Canada maybe for <laughs> Everyone come over to Canada. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's all just up in the air now. We are in new territory. Yeah. Literally. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, <laughs> I think. <laughs> what a trip that one yeah, was. Yeah, right. Um, we hope it helped. Maybe we, maybe we confused everyone more. <laughs> yeah, maybe we need another episode with the writer. And we're going to have that. So, yay, Ling Chang. So, um, yes, do stick around for that episode. We're off to the supermarket to go and stare at the chips. <laughs> um, and the water. And the water. Yeah. Not the milk. I want to thank my co-hosts, Haiti Island, Sana Kadar, and Natalie Hambly. And thank you for listening. We love that you choose to watch this series along with us and we'd love to know what you think of this one. Reach out on Twitter and you can find me on Twitter at anything but Fifi. Heidi, where can we find you? At Heidi Island. Natalie? At Natalie Hambly. Sana? At Sana underscore Kadar. And do use the hashtag Eyes on Gilead. It helps us find your tweets. Speaking of tweets, there's there's a lot now coming in. It's great, but it was, it was nice to know that it wasn't just us that cried our eyes out in the last episode. Yeah. Everyone did. So thank you for sharing all of that. I feel a lot better about it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you for all the kind words about that. And while we have you, 
why not leave some feedback and give us a rating on your favourite podcast app. I also just want to give a shout out to Nick for tweeting quite a long thread about the politics of aid and Mm. NGOs for explaining some of that to us because I I called that out in the last episode. So that was really interesting to read and really helpful. Mm. So we will be back to recap episode eight when it drops and new episodes of The Handmaid's Tale season four premiere every Wednesday on SBS On Demand and Thursday on SBS. And if you're watching on television, they premiere at 9.30pm. And if you speak other languages or know someone who does, SBS On Demand is also subtitling the series in simplified Chinese and Arabic. So for more Handmaid's coverage and for recommendations for other things to watch as you await the next episode, head to SBS Guide. Now, look, it's some heavy stuff that we talk about that, that's covered in the show. So if any of the content discussed brings up something for you or for someone you know, just uh, be aware that there is confidential counselling and resources and support available via 1800respect.org.au in Australia. It's a fantastic resource, so do seek it out. Eyes on Gilead is produced by me, Fiona Williams, and edited and mixed by Jeremy Wilmot. Until next time, don't let the bastards grind you down. You don't own me, I'm not your property, so take your dirty filthy stinking eyes off me. Make sure you grab some of those um, really nice moisturizers from bring them home. Okay, I'm